Hello, hello, Clark Van Deventer here. Welcome one and welcome all to the Around the World podcast. This week, going to Antarctica. More on that in a minute. All right, first, a word about this podcast. So I teach online classes for students that you could say are centered around social studies topics, geography, the humanities, some stuff that kind of like gets close to English and literature. Okay. You can find all my classes on OutSchool. Just go to OutSchool.com and search for me. Name is Clark Van Deventer, or you can just go to the link in the show notes. If you follow me on Instagram, and if you don't, you should, at Clark Van, C-L-A-R-K-V as in victory, Clark Van with a D, right? C-L-A-R-K-V-A-N-D on Instagram. The link in my bio on Instagram will take you to a page where you can see all of my class offerings. But by far, my most popular class, the class that has consistently sold out, the class that got it all started, by far my most popular class on OutSchool around the world with Mr. Clark. Each week we go to a new country, learn some basic facts like how many people live there, what language do they speak, what's the capital, who are their neighbors, and we imagine what it would be like to actually travel and go to that place. And I love this stuff. I can't believe I get paid to do this because ask anyone who's hung out with me. I I usually talk about this stuff for free. But I started the podcast as a way to share all the cool stuff we've been learning about with a broader audience. Uh, Whenever I have new students sign up, I have a little speech that I give them. Okay, so if you're a new listener, I'll give you a modified version of that speech here. And I have a little fun with my students uh, because each week, most of my students are regulars, right? Some have been with me for two years or more. Some have been with me for a few months, right? Some a few weeks. But then, right, in class today, for example, right, we, I have a new kid, And I'll welcome the new student, chat it up a little bit, and then I'll ask my regulars. I'll say, all right, should I give them the new student speech? And they all nod or give me a thumbs up. And I act like I have trouble remembering the speech. And then I launch into it. All right, so here's a modified version of that speech for the podcast. All right, here's what I say. All right, you are joining ongoing class. Right? Like you get that, right? Like, so you you are joining a podcast that is already in progress, right? The series has been going on, right? Um, so welcome to the podcast. Um, three goals, all right? Three goals with my classes. One, I say, I say to my students, or I'll say to you, dear listener, if you show up and just come to class once, you just listen to this podcast once, you're going to learn some facts, right? You'll learn some facts about Antarctica, in this podcast, like the Ross Ice Shelf is an ice cube about the size of France. Okay, that's a fact. Um, the second thing I always tell my students, or I'll tell you, is that if you come consistently, right, if you come once, you'll pick up some facts. But if you come again and again and again, 
and you come for months or years, you're going to get really good at global geography because in class, and you don't have this benefit on the podcast, but in class, right, we're every week we're looking at maps together. So it's like, okay, here's Taiwan. Now where's Taiwan in relation to Japan and in relation to Hong Kong and in relation to the Philippines. So my students are all, as they stick with me over time, they're getting really good at global geography. The third thing that should happen in class, if you stick with me for a while, and that should happen if you stick with me on this podcast for a while. The third goal is that we would all just grow in our love and appreciation for the amazing world that we live in as we look at all these places. All right, so uh, welcome to the podcast, right? And this week, we are in Antarctica. All right, now, I am not much... I'm not much of an etymologist. Um, do you know what an etymologist is? Etymology. Do you at least, okay, do you know what etymology is? Etymology is the study of the origin of words and the way in which their meanings have changed throughout history. So I'm not much of an etymologist. I do dabble. Um, I I always find etymology interesting when it's presented to me, but I'm not much of an etymologist. So if you already knew this, and this is basic to you, forgive me, but I had one of my students teach me something this week. Do you know what the word Antarctica actually means? Like the origin, the etymology of the word Antarctica. And it means literally... Opposite the bear. All right, now, Arctic means the bear. All right, now, this is quite convenient because the Arctic or the North Pole, right? The Arctic, it, it means the bear, right? And the Arctic has bears. And the Antarctic, all right, the South Pole, the Antarctic has no bears, all right? But this is not where these names come from. The Arctic, or bear, right? The, the, the Arctic, or bear of the Arctic, is Ursa Major, or the Great Bear. Ursa Major, the Great Bear, is the dominant constellation in the northern sky. So the word Arctic, all right, in Latin, this is like Arcticus, or in Greek, um, Arcticos. When we say Arctic, what we are really saying is bear, all right? But not bear as in polar bear, but bear as in the as in the constellation in the sky. And when we say Antarctica, which is just like saying opposite the bear, we're not saying there's no polar bears here, all right? Although there happens to be no polar bears here. Uh, what we are saying is, this is the opposite side of the Earth from where the bear constellation Ursa Major is, all right? So uh, these are some of the facts, all right, that I learned this week. Um, now, these facts won't change my life, and I have no plans to try to compete in Jeopardy, but they sure are fun. All right, here's some more facts on Antarctica. Antarctica is the highest, driest, coldest, and windiest 
continent on earth. All right. Highest, driest, coldest, and windiest continent on earth. All right. So highest, that's confusing. All right. Because it's like, wait, are you saying that Antarctica is higher than Asia? Where the Himalayas are? Where Mount Everest is? No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> By the way, tallest mountain on Antarctica, Vincent Massif, which sits at about 16,000 feet in elevation. Um, it is not because of its mountains that Antarctica has the distinction of being the highest continent on Earth. It is because of the thickness of its ice sheets. All right, so due to ice cover, Antarctica has the highest average surface elevation of all the continents at around 2,000 meters above sea level. 2,000 meters above sea level is the average surface elevation. Um, for comparison, the highest peak in the British Isles, Ben Nevis in Scotland, is 1,343 meters so the average elevation in Antarctica is higher than the highest point in the British Isles. Uh, by the way, I knew this guy. When I met him, he was 99 years old. He was remarkable, a remarkable human being. I met him at 99, and he lived well into his hundreds. He had climbed to the top of the highest peak on every continent on planet Earth. So he'd been to the top of Vincent Massif, the highest point in Antarctica. According to him, the most difficult part of this climb, and I, yes, I did share this with my students this week, the most difficult part of climbing Vincent Massif, figuring out how to urinate in those windy sub-freezing temperatures. All right, more facts on Antarctica. Um, contains 90% of the ice on Earth. 90% of the ice on planet Earth, Antarctica. Also, this one may surprise you because you think about these salty seas, but 70% of the world's fresh water. And again, as I mentioned earlier, home to the world's biggest ice cube. All right, we are talking about an ice cube that is about the size of France, the Ross Ice Shelf. Now, if you are on a ship approaching the Ross Ice Shelf, which we did in class in VR, you're like, whoa, right? That's a big piece of ice. It's just a huge wall of ice. Like imagine being at sea and seeing a 370-foot long wall that's about 150 feet high. You'll look at it and you're like, that's massive, right? And then someone tells you, like, by the way, right, that massive piece of ice you're looking at, 90% of it is below the surface of the sea. Okay, in our class last week, podcast last week, we were in Australia, mate, um, talked about Captain Cook, the British explorer who had a Captain Cook around Australia. Um, it's on one of his three voyages around the world where he says, all right, he's like the first guy who's like, I think there's something down there. All right. He's a right, he's this British explorer who's getting into the South Sea. And he's like, I think there's a continent down there. Um, by the way, this is totally an aside, but you just think about the power of the British Empire. I think Captain Cook was was sailing within 80 miles of 
of Antarctica and one of his voyages around the world in 1775. Um, so Great Britain is about to be fighting a war in the Americas, right? But it's not deterring them from gallivanting around the world and claiming other lands. That's just, right? Like, that's that's how powerful they were. They could be fighting a, a war one place and exploring the world somewhere else. Um, but Cook is the first person to say, I think there's a continent down there. And we now know that he came within 80 miles of the Antarctic continent. Uh, but writing about his voyages at the time, he says he is confident. You can read his writings, and he's pretty bold on this. He's confident that no man will ever venture further south than he has, that it's too dangerous. It's too perilous. No man will ever do it. And of course, <laughs> this sets off the great quest to conquer Antarctica, because as soon as you tell humans something can't be done, we set off on a quest to do it. This will send lots of, lots of explorers to Antarctica. Um, it's Roald Amundsen from Norway who becomes the first person to reach the geographic South Pole. So um, you also may be familiar with Shackleton's story, his quest, Endurance, which is one of the great uh, survival stories of all time. There's some great documentaries on endurance that you can watch, um, docudramas, things like that. Great. If you don't know Shackleton's story, check it out. Um, but all of these explorers who set off to conquer Antarctica after Cook, right? Cook says it can't be done. They all set off to, to do it. Uh, this leads to seven different countries laying claim to parts of Antarctica, several of them overlapping. So Argentina, Australia, Chile, France, New Zealand, Norway, and the United Kingdom all claim Antarctica as theirs. All right, so I asked the kids this week, like, if they all claim it's theirs, why aren't they at war? Why aren't they fighting over it? And the answer to that question is the 1959 Antarctic Treaty. So by 1959, there were actually 12 countries that had stations in Antarctica. And in 1959, all 12 countries signed the Antarctic Treaty and agreed that Antarctica would be used for peaceful purposes only. All right, peaceful purposes only. And that nations would freely collaborate and share all their findings. And this is like a science, a big science lab is what it really is. And as a result of that treaty, all seven countries agreed not to enforce their claims on Antarctica. All right. Now, what's funny about it is they're like, hey, we're not saying we don't have a claim. We're just saying we're not going to enforce it. <laughs> right. We're not we're not laying down our claims. We're just not going to enforce them. Uh, one final note for this week, penguins. Yes, penguins. There are lots of them. Uh, so the past three weeks in class, we went to places where a particular animal outnumbered people. All right. So we had New Zealand where sheep outnumber people nine to one. We had Australia, mate, where um, kangaroos outnumber people two to one. Now, Antarctica. Antarctica is home to about 
20 million penguins. Uh, what about people? Technically, nobody calls Antarctica home. But during the summer months, there may be up to 5,000 or so people stationed on the continent. During the winter, that number will dwindle down to about 1,000. Uh, McDuro Station is a U.S. station on Antarctica, home to the only ATM on Antarctica. Um, women have to take a pregnancy test before wintering on Antarctica. They're like, yeah, we're not prepared for babies to be born down here. All trash is transported off Antarctica, including human waste. All right. And if you hike, you are supposed, I don't know if it, I don't know if this always happens, but you're at least you're supposed to. And I think these scientists take their job seriously. You're supposed to carry a pee bottle with you. They don't want you peeing on Antarctica. Um but we did get to look at some VR of penguin-covered beaches this week. Of course, um, penguins are amazing creatures. So cute. Male emperor penguins stand for about 65 days through icy temperatures and windstorms to keep their eggs warm. During this time, temperatures outside reach up to minus 76 degrees Fahrenheit. Man, that's crazy. All right. So uh, next class, next podcast, we are off to South America. Most people who visit Antarctica will get to Antarctica by going to Argentina first. So that's our next stop in Around the World with Mr. Clark. Next podcast, be ready to learn about Argentina. All right, that's all I've got for you today. Remember, you can check out my classes on OutSchool. You can also email me around the world with Mr. Clark at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram. Hey, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, don't be a stranger. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.